This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Good girl left me, she ran away. Now she's gone, and I don't worry. Cause I'm sitting on top of the world. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse Podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr., writer and editor for the Peninsula Pulse. And today I'm talking to an old friend and a guy who I'm sure a lot of our listeners will recognize his voice. Probably more recognize his guitar picking, but uh, Eric Lewis, thanks for coming into the booth and joining the podcast today. Well, thanks for asking me to be here. We're talking about both your background up here and, and your history in Door County and Memphis, but also Fishstock and right. what a unique place that is. Because you're coming up on your 25th year of doing the yes, Fishstock 25th camp. annual. Yeah, I can't believe it. That much time has passed. Um, you know, we don't count 2020. We didn't play that year, but <laughs> if you look at the calendar, this would be the 25th annual show. So that's what we're sticking to. All right, I like it. It also dates me because I think the first time I went to Fishstock was after my senior year of high school, freshman year of college. And uh, it was an experience for a 19-year-old <laughs> yeah. me to go to this. I'm like, what is this? And, you know, I was hanging out with John Elman and his, his uncle, yeah. owned, Dave Elman, owned it at the time or, or ran the, sh the show at the time. And he's like, yeah, we're going to go to this concert in a barn. And, you know, this is before it, barn venues became all the rage. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily sound like that's a cool thing. But, <laughs> you know, when you get there and you realize how much they've done with the place and it's a state-of-the-art lighting system and everything sounds great and it's just gorgeous you know it's just a beautiful place to have a concert and such a unique vibe yeah in the, the whole place it's just like stepping out of even within door county which has its own unique vibe but it's like it's unique within our confines absolutely and you know door county has exploded over the last 10 years i would say with possible concert venues and places to see music or hear music and I, th I still think Fishstock at Camp David is one of the best. Yeah, by far. There's there's no other feeling like it, like I was just saying. Yeah, it's a vibe. And, you know, you, you park in the field, you stumble to find your car afterward, depending on what you brought <laughs> in. Um, <laughs> how did you connect with, with Camp David? What's your background there? What brought you to that first show? The first summer that I was working up here in Door County, I was walking down the street in Fish Creek one day, and Dave Elman approached me and said, Hey, Eric we're doing a full concert season this year. And would you like to do the Labor Day show this year to close out the season? And I'm like, great. Yes, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll do it. And so I got my wheels spinning and I started making it happen uh, to get Andy Ratliff up here, who I'd been touring with and playing with as at that time, a, a, what I call a brother duet, bluegrass style music. 
we had been in a band together in Memphis. And I was like, if I'm going to do this, I've got to get Andy up here. And, you know, supplement the show also with the people I've been working with that summer, Fred Alley, sure. Doc Heidi. When you say Jimmy you were up Kaplan. here working, what was... I had w- gotten hired by American Folklore Theater at okay. the time, which is now, of course, Northern Sky Theater. And, yeah, so I, w- I was up here all that summer. I got here in May, and I, I, it was probably early June when I saw him on the street, and he asked me to do this series. And, you know, they weren't sure how many people were going to come, so we we did the, the loft up there. Okay. Which kind of, if you can imagine looking at, like, the Neil Young Harvest album cover it shows them rehearsing in the barn or recording that album that's kind of what it looks like in my mind it's just a really special space up there and really the what I consider the the match that got lit was the fact that more people showed up than we expected and Nick Hoover just happened to be there and unbeknownst to me he had plugged in his four track recorder to the mixing console and got a recording of the night. Huh. And I found out about it, you know, like a day or two later. So that recording that, you know, that yielded that became the Live in Fish Creek CD that we put out the next year in wow. 2000 because Fred Alley heard it and he thought it was worthy of, you know, being in the world. So we spent some time editing that and putting, I don't know how many songs are on it, but it's it's been out of print for a long time now. But, That's pretty cool that Nick just randomly does it. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing, and I, I, you know, I don't know what Fred uh, paid him for that, but you know, we uh, we bought the recordings from him and then took them to the studio and you know cleaned them up a little bit. And, and, and it's it's raw and it's kind of rough, but it <laughs> but it was there was a magic to it. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And then after that, it turns into a main stage show. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, the next year we did downstairs because you know needed the extra seating for people and then the next year i was like you know i kind of want to do the upstairs again and i imposed my will to let's go back upstairs which was a mistake because we had people (laughs) out the door downstairs trying to hear the show upstairs and see it and you know that was uh, just a miscalculation on my part well for people unfamiliar with with camp david you know it's this this big old dairy barn yeah and there's that that hayloft area right and in it, that's a much smaller venue. But the main barn, I don't know, a couple hundred people can fit in there. Yeah, I think it's closer to three. Okay. And then what happens is at these shows, they start spilling out beyond the barn. Right. And eventually they start projecting, because the, the concerts got so big, they start projecting you up on the back of the barn. Right. Which is a really cool thing, too. So for the people outside, they can still see what's going on, just like if you were at a major concert venue, except at a big screen. It's just right. the, the barn siding. Yeah, and they've got all of that covered back there. So if you, you know, uh, I, I know the show this year is already sold out downstairs inside the barn, but they've got plenty of tickets, and you could sit on the outside there that, that is fully covered and watch that projection and plus be able to see into the barn and see the stage too. Yeah. And there's an extra set of speakers back there, so the concert is outside as well. So if you're even out on the property or sitting back on one of the leftover floats from 4th of July, you can still (laughs) hear and see the show. I always love that you go there and there's the old 4th of July float. Dave Dave just comes back and just parks it in back. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. It's great. You got to, you know, to understand Camp David and the reunion party and everything, you got to understand Dave. Yeah. Elman. And now that the the rains have been passed, his brother Steve runs the, the fish talk show. Right. But... 
Dave Dave is Camp David. Yeah, he is the central figure when you think of the place. Try and describe him to our listeners. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, he wears a Hawaiian shirt 24 hours a day. <laughs> you know, big sailor. He, he loves sailing. He's just a, a fun-loving guy and good-natured, good spirit. He's good vibes, man. You run yeah. into him and you're just like, you know, he's always smiling, happy to see you. Big right. hello, big welcome. Big thumbs up if he's driving by yeah. in his Al Camino. And everyone's included. You know, yes. He, he, he includes everybody in everything. So he, he knows so many people. He pulls. He's like this central figure that, you know, he can connect to the summer worker up here for the first day. Right. Or, you know, someone like Patty Williamson, who was right. uh, in her late 80s and going to the fish talk shows. Right. And she you know, was he, there last year. Yeah. 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 And. Camp David is, you know, it's, it's part housing complex for young summer workers. Right. That it's one of the, has been one of the last cheap, affordable options for people to live and work for decades now. Mm-hmm. And I always point to it as an example of like when people start going, you know, oh, we don't want that housing by us. I'm like, when's the last time you heard about complaint about Camp David? All right. Like <laughs> right. It's, it's not bad. Like no. summer workers or, or people looking for cheap housing doesn't mean like bad things. So anyway, that's always my, my crutch there, but it's just such a unique vibe and he's always sponsoring a volleyball team. Right. And he's always there. He'll show up and do a corn roast at volleyball and just be right. giving away corn. He'll uh, be cooking brats and, and stuff. He's always cheering on everybody. Camp David, notoriously one of the worst teams in the volleyball league, <laughs> but always having the most fun. Right, because it's not about the competition. No. <laughs> it's just about the community and everybody being together. Yeah. So anyway, so you got Dave, who I once referred to in an article as like Door County's Peter Pan. He's like perpetually young. You know, he's just that, right. that guy just bouncing around. Oh, this just reminded me of an April Fool's cover from the Peninsula Pulse years ago where they said Camp David buys a big, massive property in Ellison Bay. The big mansion in Ellison Bay. Right, (laughs) right. And there were people that actually believed that. Oh, it's remarkable the number of people who (laughs) believe the crap we put in the repulse each year. (laughs) That one was great because people start, actually, like, I think... I won't say her name because she's gotten enough crap for this in the past, but like she re-reported it in the advocate as fact. Oh no. And that's hilarious. <laughs> and said like, wow, the mansion sold and camp David is going to do concerts in there. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I felt bad the one year cause my mom, I came home and she's reading the repulse. And one of the headlines was uh, Walmart opens new Walmart inside of Walmart. <laughs> and, and she reads, she's going through and reading it out loud. And she just thought she was slipping through the paper and she goes, they're opening another Walmart. Why would they do that inside of Walmart? This makes no sense. I'm like, oh no. And then you feel bad when you pranked your own mom. But oh man. Anyway, I digress. Those early years at Camp David, though. Yeah. Maybe it's just because I was coming of age, but 18, 19, 20, and starting to go out to concerts and shows and partying. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And then, so in my mind, Camp David and Fishstock and you really started to popularize folk music and bluegrass music mm-hmm. and bringing it to Door County and making it something that, you know, I think around the same time, Oh Brother, We're Out There came sure, out right. and that opened some people's eyes to it and stuff. But it went from being like, okay, this is a, maybe a hokey Southern or country-ish kind of thing to something people would go to the bars to see. That's my recollection. That's my vibe. Do cool. I have that right? Do you feel that way? I, yeah, actually I do feel that way. Coming up here, I mean, 
playing down in Memphis and other places. And now I, you know, I have other jobs working for other people. So I tour a lot, but something about Door County, it just, it needed something or it wanted something. And it just really seemed like it took off for us. And I'm just grateful that people were so embracing of what we were doing at the time. And it just seemed like it just kind of took off from there. Once we started playing, it seemed like I tell people that it it was like people were hungry for it and, yeah. and they didn't even know they were hungry for it at the time. And it just kind of exploded. There was a I, I, definitely a window of time where I feel like we've, you know, we've peaked, but it's just continued to be a regular thing that is always, you can always count on it. Yeah. You know, you know cause it went from being brand new to a lot of, especially the younger folks up here. So right. you would go and you're playing, maybe it'd be you and Jimmy Davis or you and Tommy Burroughs or right. just you. Yeah. And it was a, you know, Eric Lewis is playing the tap. We're going (laughs) where he's, he's going to play Husby's tonight. You know, and it was such a big thing Yeah, and it would be packed with people coming out to see this guy, just like watching you on the guitar was just incredible and this totally different vibe. And yeah, you had your rock bands and your pop bands and stuff, but it was, it was great to see a bar full of people dancing and going nuts for, you know, music that none of us had listened to a year before. Right. And man, the, the nights at the AC tap, some of those are just (laughs) legendary. Some of the most packed, sweatiest, smokiest nights back when you could still smoke in there. I know. <laughs> There's something special about that. I, I I love that environment. I mean, I don't miss the smoke. But, <laughs> no, um, but man, just the the energy of it all. Yeah. It was just great. I mean, and it was all ages. There were people young, old. It's just fantastic. Yeah. I, I think those shows are like a way that kind of crossed some of those boundaries of age and, you know, social spheres right. for a lot of people. I, right. I just remember like meeting a lot of different people. I'm like, who are these people in Door County that are like <laughs> either my age and I don't know who they are. Like I'm always shocked. Even today I'm shocked when I see someone now my age is 40s. If I see someone in their 40s with kids and I don't know who they are, I'm like, where did you come from? Yeah, right. <laughs> there's, but there's more of those now. But. And you all kind of, it all grew out of AFT, right? That's what brought you up That's here? That's what brought me up here, right. And thankfully, being part of the company for four summers, and I started doing some of the fall shows, that really put me in front of a lot of people. So when we started branching out and being able to work outside of that, it really helped because people knew my name from the theater. Sure. And I'm forever grateful for that. So thank you, Fred Alley. And, <laughs> And Doc Heidi and Jeff Herbst and everybody yeah, believed I mean, that, in me. That that group that that worked so hard and formed AFT and mm-hmm. turned that into something that suddenly became this phenomenon. It's an institution. And yeah, now it's an institution. Yeah. Then it was like, whoa, what's this thing? They're doing this, yeah, this unique theater in the park thing. And they right. Oh, they got this Eric Lewis guy. They got like all these different connections that they changed. I mean, I don't think it's overstating it to say that it really kind of changed the scene and changed the culture up here. Sure, absolutely. And not to just be an advertisement, but I'm doing the fall show this year. This is the first time I've worked in one of their larger extended productions in many, many years. Wow. So that's a, a show that Doc Heidi wrote with Lee Becker, okay. who's also in the show, and Amy Chafee. And then I'll be playing guitar and mandolin and that and doing some singing as well. What's the name? It's called uh, When Pigs Fly. All right. So, so it's a, a homespun kind of comedy and a, a lot of songs, and it should be a lot of fun. What brought you back into the fold there? Uh, well, I mean, for an extended show like this, I mean, it's something that Doc has had on his radar for a long time to redo. They did a different version of the show in 2001. So it's this is kind of a, a rewrite of that a show called Bob Dumpke's Farm. 
And so that this is the year. And they said, we've got to have you. We've got to have you. And I'm like, okay, I'm there. So <laughs> we were able to work it out schedule-wise, and this is the, the fall to do it. And it's great to be at the Gould there. It's such a beautiful yeah. space. It's going to be amazing. But, you know, I've done several of their holiday shows over the years, which, you know, that's a limited engagement a week or sure. so. But I'm trying to remember the last year I did one of the fall shows, which was probably at one of the town halls, either Fish Creek or yeah. Ephraim. So I'm, I'm guessing it was either probably the John Prine show that we did. Oh, yeah. That was a lot of fun. But, yeah, mostly over, I'd say over the last, I don't know how many years now, it's like I, I'm able to get up here for two or three weeks at a time or maybe a month if I'm lucky or and that's about it. Okay. Um, so this year, for sure, is definitely the longest time I'm going to be in the county for an extended time. I was up here earlier this summer with Buckets of Rain, doing the Bob Dylan show that we've been doing for about 11 or 12 years Yeah, at Woodwalk. Another great barn venue. Yes. Mm-hmm. B- venue I, gallery. Absolutely. Uh, that's definitely one of my favorite stages as well up here to play. Yeah, and I've, I've been doing a lot of other stuff too with Midsummer's music over the last few years that I was approached by Jim Bergenstock from he's the director just before the pandemic they were going to have me collaborate with one of their ensembles in 2020 which didn't happen but we we did an, a live stream thing and I was in Memphis and they were here and I had to tape some performances for that but but anyway so that just started the ball rolling and in 21 I you know, I had all these charts written for string quartet, and I, at the last minute before I played a woodwalk show, I called Allison at uh, Midsummer's and just said, hey, what are the odds of me getting a string quartet for this? And she pulled all the strings and made it happen. So <laughs> it, it, it was great, and that's just started the ball rolling that on September 9th this year at the Gould with Midsummer's, uh, we have a CD release show. Uh, myself and the Griffin String Quartet called Beneath the Waves. It's a, a piece that I wrote, and we recorded it last year. There's, I don't know how many tracks are on the CD or off the top of my head, but uh, we were at Hans Christian Studio down in Sturgeon Bay and recorded uh, a collaborative recording, myself and them, and, uh, and we're grateful to see that come to light. You know, as you, you're going through all these different connections, the people you've worked with, the different musical groups and theater groups that you've worked with and the different venues you've played in. I wonder if you think back to, to finding out about Door County and your first introduction to it, like it must've been such, and it must still be such a incredible opportunity for you and uh, to, to have this small town that has all these different options. I mean, we yes. take it for granted. I spent my whole life looking at brochure racks and seeing Midsummer's music, AFT, yeah. pen players and stuff. But to have these small towns with all this, these options, and then as a musician, just career-wise, to have these kind of different things to do has got to be remarkable. Absolutely. I, I really count on Door County every year. You know, I, I need the work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and honestly, I can play some in Memphis, but I can't do what I do there, here. Uh, I may have said that backwards. Here. You can't yeah. do what you do here. There. there. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, it's too early, not enough <laughs> coffee. Yeah, Door County is very, very special in a lot of ways. There's such a rich, diverse arts community here, whether it's music or theater or painting or sculpture or anything. This is just a rich, rich area. And I do feel like people that live here do embrace it and 
cherish it and nurture it. Uh, and then the people that are coming up here from some of the bigger cities that just vacation here in the summertime, I think they get it. Or, or yeah. they, they realize what is here. It's literally, I mean, one of the best places in the whole United States for arts. You just can't beat it. It's in a beautiful place. And you're going to get top-notch stuff. You know, it's not just amateur. You know, there's really good stuff here. I remember one of the first times I talked to you about this, that's probably like 15 years ago now. And you, you'd said something like that. And you said, you know, it's because it's, I, from the outside in, I'm like, why would you come from Memphis to with this rich music scene there and play in Door County? And you said, you don't understand. Like Memphis has a lot of people playing music. Sure. And they see it all the time. They take that for granted. They do. And you were saying that you come to Door County and it's just a different feeling to play for an audience that really appreciates the fact that they're seeing it. Right. And they're into it and they're hanging on it. And they're they, listening. Yeah. You know, it's not just the background music of. Right. And I get that when then later I, I would, I would learn, you know, go to Nashville, you go to Memphis and you're like, all right, yeah, you know, you go to open mic and you, there's pretty incredible musicians and stuff. Right. And that's not to downplay it here, but it's just different when you get a bunch of people in a room who have made a point to go see this. Right. And listen to it. Yeah, exactly. It's not just you're happened to be there. They went there on purpose to hear that music or that artist. So. And there's the and, dog. And there's Oxford making an appearance. <laughs> he he wants to sing for us and terrorize our, our guests here at yep. <laughs> You know, one of the things that happens when you, you just get older and then and you play a long time and you've played with so many musicians and you've connected Door County with so many other people. You've brought so many people up here. Like, just go through some of these folks that you've brought and introduced Gosh. to the Door County stage. And then I want you to tell us, like, what is their impression? When you ask somebody to come up here and they might say, like, what's this little place? I'm going up there. And then they fall in love with it. And then they're just back. They're, they're like hooked. Right. Well, the first person I brought, obviously, was Andy Ratliff. And we played together up here several times for about four or five years. And, yeah, he loved it. He's coming back this year again for Fish Stock. Last year he was here for the first time in, like, 15 years Hmm. But he fell in love with it instantly and, you know, always looks for an excuse to come back. He's had kids, and, and that's why he hasn't been around as much. And now they're getting older, and he has a little more flexibility to be here. So that's great. But Jimmy Davis, who, you know, he comes every year and he camps out. You know, it's just totally his his thing. You know, it's <laughs> it's outdoorsy. There's great places to hike. Yeah. You know, you can really be in nature here. There's just so many things that are wonderful about Door County. Not only the scenery, but the people and just all the things you can do. And there's great places to eat. But Tommy Burroughs, he would yeah. be, he'd be the next that I brought up who really elevated everything in such a way that, I don't know, man, he was, he was my hero from the first time I ever heard him play music many years ago. And uh, just getting him to start working with me was a dream come true and a blessing. Yeah, when he started showing up and people started talking about this, like, you got to see this yeah. Tommy Burroughs guy. And you'd go and catch it and you're just like, wow, that was... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was... Uh, exactly. He, he was just kind of otherworldly in how he could play. But, I mean, just to give you more of a list, my friend Rory Hoffman from Nashville, who is a, a blind musician who plays about 20 plus instruments all at a highest level you can imagine. I mean, I haven't talked to Rory in a bit. He's been busy working on a movie with Matthew McConaughey. So Ooh. yeah, Rory, <laughs> Rory's, uh, he's out there playing with some 
big people. You these tell days. him to bring Matthew up here too. That'd be, I'm sure he'd love the place. <laughs> I probably would. Uh, I think they're making a movie right now that has a band in it, or Matthew's character is in a band, and okay. so they they got Rory in the film not only on the soundtrack he's playing with T Bone Burnett who's oh. producing it. So wow. yeah, Rory's in big company now. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, when I started coming up here and I was able to play and things were going well, I always wanted to try to get people better than myself to join me to come up here and augment it and introduce everyone to an audience that they might not otherwise get to play in front of. Yeah. And the audience to get to see someone they might not get to see normally. So it make it a, a special thing for everyone. I've always tried to do that. That's why really the, especially Labor Day, it's the Eric Lewis and Friends. It's not just about me. I'm just kind of the host and I get to do my thing that I might not normally get to do otherwise. If I'm working for someone else or playing with a group and, you know, I, I make a living playing all styles of music, really. I'm not just bluegrass or country I get to do a lot of different things now. So I'm meandering. Well, no, you talk about that, like the, the Eric Lewis and friends aspect. That's a pretty cool opportunity to like, everyone likes to be, it feels great to introduce someone to new music that they love. Right. Like sure. when you go, Hey, check out this CD or someone made you right. know, back of it, a CD. If people are familiar with that, um, <laughs> still, yeah. but like you introduce someone to it or you give them a mixtape and they love that music. And then you find that they are big fans and they're going to those shows and they're going to those concerts. And you were that conduit. I don't know what that endorphin rush of that is, but there is something that happens when you get to introduce something to something that they go on to love. Right. And Eric Lewis and friends, you get to do that on stage live. You, you yeah. bring someone in and people have never heard Tommy Burroughs before. Right. At, you know, or Jimmy Davis. And they just go, wow, who the heck is this? That is amazing. And yeah. I, I, there's times I would sit there and watch you on the stage and realize, wow, Eric's, like the headliner here, but he's not like most of the time he's not the main thing going on on the stage. Cause he's bringing right. these other people. And I just watch you sit back and you're so happy to do it. It, it seems like you get so much joy I do. out of putting someone else forward on the stage and watching the crowd embrace them. Absolutely. I, I do love that. And also I think sometimes uh, an audience may not realize, I mean, my name is on the bill. And so they automatically think you're just going to be the lead singer all night, you know, and that's not all that I do. I'm an instrumentalist, and if I want to play the steel guitar, I need somebody to play the steel guitar with. So I need other people. I need, yeah. I need Jimmy Davis. I need Andy Ratliff. You know, I want them to showcase their talents, and I want to be able to support that or bolster it by doing other things that I do well. So sometimes people have complained over the years, like, well, there wasn't enough you. And I said, I was on stage all night long, <laughs> you know, and I can't just play this. I could just play the steel guitar, but <laughs> it's not going to be as interesting. So I, I'd much rather back up somebody else and be a side guy from time to time. That's one of the things that I do well. So anyway, yeah, I'm just grateful that Door County has been so good to me for so yeah. many years and that I've had a platform to bring new people up here that it's just a win-win for the community and for the artist. And one of those, Tommy, you lost earlier this year. Yes. And that's one of the things that happens when you, you like I was saying before, you get older, you, you, you've you been doing this for so long, you lose people. You, you lost do. Fred Alley a long time ago. You lost, right. what's that 
like now coming back up here for the first year without like Tommy? Well, Tom, well, I'm, I'm still having a hard time getting used to the idea that I can't just pick up the phone and give him a call or hear from him on a regular basis. The last five years, he was battling cancer, so mm-hmm. it slowed down the amount of time that we did get to see each other or perform. But we were able to, you know, play about once a month if if we were yeah. lucky, if he was well. But I think the last time he came up here would be, ooh, maybe twenty one. I think he was up here in twenty one yeah. for the last time. It's it's tough. It's it's really I don't know. I'm still it's still fresh. Yeah, things look different. Things feel different. The air you breathe is different. I think that happens with everyone when you lose somebody that's super close to you. I just, uh, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's it's really hard. Yeah, I get that. I mean, when, and I just wanted to talk to, about him for a little bit, just because he was he was such a big part, especially for, for a very particular era in, yeah. you know, the early to mid-2000s and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and what, you know, he's a guy that, like yourself, was part of changing the mm-hmm. scene, changing the culture, opening new new eyes to and ears to different sounds and right. And I just think there's there's something special about it. So if if people are not familiar with it, I, I just wanted to to mention that a little bit. And then you know I mentioned friend Allie. Mm-hmm. Obviously he's been gone quite a long time now. But how did you end up getting connected? We talked about how you got connected with Camp David. How did you get connected with AFT in the first place? Well, I met a musician and. Actress Karen Mall in uh, Memphis. She was on a contract working for Theater Memphis, and she started showing up to some bluegrass gigs that I was in a band with Andy Ratliff at the time called Fatback Jubilee. And we'd play, <laughs> you know, bookstores and bars and everything else. And I was also playing in another sort of alt country band that I was playing guitar and steel guitar in. And on Sundays, I would basically get up at 11 o'clock. <laughs> And uh, go straight to my first gig, and we'd play that afternoon, and then have a dinner break, and then I'd go set up, and I'd play till 3 o'clock in the morning uh, <laughs> with another band. And in the evening, in the middle, you'd go see Tommy play with Jimmy Davis and the River Bluff Clan, a bluegrass <laughs> band they were in. Yeah, so Karen was around the scene, and she started showing up at our gigs, and we started playing some music together. And the next summer, she invited me up to play a gig, and when I came up, I got to meet everybody at the theater, and Fred and I hit it off instantly. And in 99, there was a space available for me to come up, and he offered me a job. So, yeah, so I think the first summer I ever came here was 97. Okay. Yeah, the summer of 97. So the originator of this long string of people is Karen Mall bringing you up, which brings up Jimmy and Tommy and all the others. Yeah, there's a thread, and it goes back probably further than that, even, yeah. you know, that, that I don't even know about. But, yeah, that's the way life works. It's a it's snowball effect. Yeah. You know. One little summer gig, and <laughs> right. it changes your life. Exactly, which has led me to be able to work with people like Katie Dahl. You know, sure. we just finished a tour last week, play, seven places. I think we had nine gigs over the whole thing, but getting to work with her. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because okay, I'm sure I haven't asked Katie this directly, but I'm sure a lot of what she became in music was influenced by seeing you come up here. And what is it like then? Now you play and you support her and to know that like, all right, this, this person got to start and became a musician, like a full-time musician, a little bit because of you. Well, I, I can't take... Too much credit. I mean, you know, if a person is driven to become what they want to become, yeah. they're going to do it regardless. But I will say that, you know, I remember Katie coming to me. I don't know how old she was at the time, but 
I met her first when I was in the pit working a summer at AFT, and uh, she was probably about 15 years old, I guess, at the time. And I think she was already into music at that point or playing some music. But, you know, sometime in her 20s, I'm sure, and I was working up here, I gave her a few guitar lessons here and there. And she was probably one of the best students you you could ever hope for because I could see that she was specific in what she wanted to know and know how to do. And she was already playing. So it's not like you're having to start from scratch. So you just focused on one particular idea, uh, huh. or maybe a finger picking pattern on a particular song that she wanted to learn. And I can't remember what year it was. She started playing some live gigs around the county just by herself, solo gigs. And I think she was mostly playing covers. I think she was starting to write at the time. But she's really just exploded as a, an artist and a writer and just really proud of her. And to see her grow, uh, you know, and have a career of her own, and for me to come up here and be able to be a side guy for her, it's just it's just perfect, hmm. really. I'm just grateful. The last thing I wanted to ask you about is just, like, how you do this sort of dual residency life for this long, where you you spend most of the year in Memphis, right? Mostly, yeah. And uh, yet, I, I think a lot of people just think of you as a Door County guy, right? Because you come up here so often. So how do you, what does your schedule look like? How do you? Well, that, uh, man, I don't even know where to begin. But I mean, I work for a guy named Jason Petty out of Manchester, Tennessee, who it's close to Nashville. He's got several what I call classic country shows. We tour those around the country. So that could be two to six times a month, depending on what's going on. So that could be flying to California or driving to Alabama for the weekend. And I, I typically do more of that than I actually play when I'm home. When I'm home, you know, the local paper there, they've totally forgotten who I am. You know, I'm, I'm just too old and not interesting to them anymore. <laughs> so it's kind of nice to live a place where no one's going to bug you. <laughs> uh, but, I, but I love uh, my old stomping grounds. I mean, the places where I really cut my teeth. Murphy's, it's a, a little hole-in-the-wall Irish bar on Madison Avenue. Benny Carter, I'm thinking of you, buddy. The owner down there, great guy, Benny Carter. And he lets me play there whenever I want. And I'll, I'll go down there and I'll play solo, or that's where Tommy and I would play a bunch together. Mm-hmm. Or if Jimmy's in town, we'll, we'll throw a little show together. It's just a place where you can really cut your teeth. And, and we do have a good audience there. And, it, you know, and it's not the spot to play in Memphis necessarily. I kind of like that aspect of it. I like like that we do get a good crowd, but the bigger venues that are advertised and get write-ups in the paper, like the Green Room at Crosstown, it's a great place. And then there's the bigger venues like GPAC, which is like the equivalent of the DCA here. Okay. You know, I, other than that, I, you know, I play at church on Sundays. I've been at a, an Episcopal church there for, gosh, now over 18 years doing their bluegrass mass <laughs> on Sunday evenings. So when I'm home, I'm, you know, trying to take care of business and do logistics for upcoming tours and recording. I've gotten more into recording, I'd say, in the last three years, but mostly because of the pandemic. I mean, I've been recording, making records for a long, long time, and I usually work with an engineer to do those things. But the pandemic forced me to become an engineer and record myself, and that's Katie Dahl's fault. (laughs) <laughs> she she needed me to record something for her and I, you know, had hadn't really even bothered to 
mess with my computer at that point. And even though I had the, uh, the software to do it, I needed the interface. So I uh, got the stuff that I needed and man, I'm, I'm producing records now. So I just finished a great project. I'll just mention this briefly. Sure. It's not out yet. It'll probably be next year, but a songwriter from Arkansas named Mallory Everett. It's a killer record that I produced with Kevin Houston down there at, uh, down in Coldwater at Zebra Ranch, Luther Dickinson and Cody Dickinson's place from the North Mississippi All-Stars Oh, that their, nice. that their dad had put together, Jim Dickinson, who played with the Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan. And anyway, I mean, and then there's uh, Katie Deal, who I work with. She does a Patsy Cline show. She tours that. Also, Gail Bliss from Myrtle Beach. A lot of times she hires me to be her band leader and do logistics with the venues and get band members hired and up to speed on music and things like that. So I've definitely got a lot of irons in the fire. And some days, man, I really just want to take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're coming up on my limited time in the booth. We actually have Katie Dahl coming in to record after you. Awesome. That's great. (laughs) But uh, the Camp David reunion show, give me the, the day, time. For this weekend, it is September 3rd. Sunday at seven o'clock and we've got Mr. Andy Ratliff coming back this year for the second time in like 15 years. Jimmy Davis is going to be back with us too. Another guy that we failed to mention earlier about who I brought up, Paul Taylor, who when the pandemic hit in Memphis, he said, I'm out of here. And and where (laughs) did he come? Door County. So he's now a sister Bay resident. I don't think he's coming back to Memphis. He, um, by the way, if a plug for the Door County Living magazine, he is featured in yep. the issue that just came out yesterday. So cool. look for more about Paul Taylor in Door County Living. Absolutely. He's just like you. He's playing with like, you know, oh, 25 man. different incarnations of a band. And yeah. All he, sorts of ways. He's younger than me and has more energy. So, <laughs> uh, man, he's just killer. He's been one of my heroes as well ever since I met him when he was a kid playing with Luther and Cody. Hmm. But uh, we also have Mark Edgar Stewart coming back for his second time. He's a singer-songwriter in Memphis okay. who is also a record producer, played on lots of different projects with him. Last year, we brought him up for the first time. He, he plays guitar, and he also plays bass, and he's just a great energy, great songwriter. And everyone loved it so much that Steve Elman just said, could you just please do that again this year? So that's what we're doing. Awesome. Yeah. The last thing I'd say about Fishdock, for those who've never checked it out, it's worth going to a concert there any time of the year, but this show is is the big dog, right? Yeah. And to put our conversation here in a little more perspective, you think of it now, like every town is doing a concert in the park. Every, yeah. there's the Peg Egan, there's, you know, the auditorium was around back then when you started, mm-hmm. but it was pretty new at the time. True Blood, there's Tap. Yeah. A lot of these venues didn't exist in 98, 99, 2000, 2001. Right. And the pavilion up in Sister Bay is another one. Right. Yeah. So what Fishstock, it's really back to the the roots of back when we were like desperate to find a place to see great music. There are only a couple of them. And this is one of those places. And I always say it's like one of those originators. So, and it, it can sometimes get forgotten and left behind in the mix of so much that's going on now. Right. But back when there wasn't as much going on, this was... Dave, Steve, the Camp David scene, the musicians that were there created so much of what those other places are built on. I would agree with that 100%. One other thing I'd like to just plug while I'm here. Do it. Uh, during the pandemic, gave me a lot of downtime that I hadn't had in years. And I found a hard drive that had the multi-track recording from the 2007 show 
which was the very first year that Paul Taylor and Amy LeVere and Steve Selvage came up to play the show with myself and Tommy and Jimmy. And Tommy and I had just released a CD that year. But anyway, I found the multi-track recording, didn't know it existed. And Dave Alley had recorded that. And I was able to take it into the studio with Kevin Houston. We narrowed it down to about 18 usable songs. And we have a double disc available for this year from that show as a commemorative for the 25th annual. Oh, great. Yeah. And that'll be available at the show on Sunday? It sure will. Yeah. Glad you got that plug in there. (laughs) Eric, thanks so much for for making the time to come in here. You are a busy man. And uh, I appreciate it. And it's just great to talk to you. And and great to talk about all the the different ways you've you've impacted this peninsula and continue to do so. Thank well, you. Thank you, Miles. I'm grateful. Truly. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at the Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from artist Ryan Miller, and much, much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you again next time.